Hi everyone, welcome to the Understand the Bible podcast with me, Phil Saker. The podcast today is a sermon, part of our series on the book of Romans, this time Romans chapter 2 verses 1 to 16. And that is thinking about how uh, people can be judgmental and moralistic and uh, thinking about how as Christians we should be and uh, how we should how we should be with other people. So that's uh, part of our series on Romans, uh, that's what we're going through at the moment. Just to remind you also that there is, although the YouTube channel has been on a bit of a break over the summer, then uh, it is swinging back into action now that the new term has kicked in. Uh, So this week there was the first live stream Bible study on Wednesday afternoon back uh, in the new term. And uh, we're currently looking through the book of Isaiah. That's uh, about a 15-20 minute Bible study live stream. You're welcome to join in or catch up later on the YouTube channel. That's on a Wednesday afternoon. And the Firm Foundations course will be finishing off the last three sessions uh, from this coming week. So do check out the YouTube channel for more. And don't forget, there are ways of supporting the the podcast, supporting Understand the Bible. Uh, Do have a look at the page down below. And one easy way you can do that is if you're able to in your podcast provider, you can leave a rating for Understand the Bible or even a review. And that would be really helpful, just helping other people to know that this is worthwhile listening to. Share it with your friends. And uh, I'd really appreciate that. So thanks so much, everyone, for, uh, for listening. I hope that this is a blessing to you. And I look forward to seeing you again soon. Christians sometimes have a reputation for being judgmental moralists. You know, that is just pointing the finger at other people and saying, no, 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 that's that's wrong, that's immoral, you mustn't do that, you mustn't do that, you definitely don't do that, uh, and so on and so forth. You know, we just point the finger at others and tell them how bad they are. And there is some justification for that. I think in the 20th century, you know, the church had a bit of a reputation for pointing the finger at society and saying how terrible it was. Um, you might think of Mary Whitehouse, for example, and her campaign for, you know, against many of the things that were happening on TV, you know, the moral decay and so on and so forth. Now, I'm not saying that Mary Whitehouse was a judgmental moralist, um, but it's the perception of her um, that I think... Uh, that I'm talking about. What's interesting is that that sort of judgmental moralism seems to have moved from uh, the church to other parts of uh, society. So I think that there are parts of society now who love to point the finger at other people and say how immoral they are. And uh, the people who are pointing the finger now tend to be the ones who are not Christian um, they have no religion usually. And you think of all of the, you know, the social media pylons and, you know, people who maybe made a, a joke that they, they came to regret, someone who's maybe, you know, made a careless comment and it's been interpreted as racism and, and, and all of a sudden, you know, people pile in and point the finger and saying, oh, it's a racist, it's this, that or the other. Or, you know, think about cancellation. You know, someone goes on to a university campus to speak and all of a sudden there are campaigners who are saying, no, 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 this is a terrible person because they have views which don't align with the, the views of the current, um, of, of our group. You know, that, that, that's where we are as a society. There's a lot of pointing the finger and saying that people are immoral because they don't have the correct views, uh, all of that sort of thing. So 
what we're going to be looking at today, last week, uh, as the second half of Romans chapter 1, we were thinking about the moral degradation and decay in, in the world, you know, in society. And we saw actually how our society today, there seems to be a lot of that. But at the same time, uh, how we respond to that is, is something we, which we must do differently as Christians. And we saw a little bit of that last week, but that's what we're going to be thinking about today. This is against that sort of judgmental moralism. So I'm going to read the passage. It's Romans chapter 2 verses 1 to 16. Just to give you a heads up, um, I've just released the Church Will Understand the Bible app and that includes the Bible readings. So what I think I'm going to do is I'll stop providing the Bible readings as part of the sermon and you can just read them yourself on the app or on your whatever you know Bible you have there. Uh, so you know I think this will be the last week where I do actually include the reading as part of the sermon just to give you a little heads up uh, that that will be changing. Uh, so we're reading from Romans chapter 2 from verse 1 to 16. You therefore have no excuse you who pass judgment on someone else for at whatever point you judge another you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance and patience, not realising that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath, when his righteous judgment will be revealed. God will repay each person according to what they have done. To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honour and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. But glory, honour and peace for everyone who does good, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For God does not show favouritism. All who sin apart from the law will also perish apart from the law, and all who sin under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. Indeed, when Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature things required by the law, they are a law for themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their consciences also bearing witness, and their thoughts sometimes accusing them and at other times even defending them. This will take place on the day when God judges people's secrets through Jesus Christ, as my gospel declares. Okay, this is another quite hard-hitting passage, and not quite perhaps a, a, as much as last week, but hard-hitting against a certain kind of, of people. And, and the people who Paul is targeting here, he says, chapter 2, verse 1, You therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself, because you who pass judgment do the same things. 
So Paul is talking about people who stand in judgment over others, but not kind of judging anything at all, but those who judge without self-awareness, those who judge in a hypocritical way. So it's, it's people who love to, to condemn others without having any self-reflection about you know, their own flaws and their own sins. And it made me think actually of what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. Um, if you remember back a few weeks as we were looking at the Sermon on the Mount, uh, but Matthew chapter 7 verses 1 and 2 where Jesus says, Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same ways you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And that's what Jesus said. And as we said back then, that doesn't mean that we mustn't make any judgments about other people. You know, that the Bible says all the way through, pretty much, that you know, we do have to make those kind of judgments from time to time. We have to judge things that are right and wrong. But we must do it from the right place, not from a hypocritical position where we think that we everything about us is morally perfect and it's those terrible people over there who are doing the bad things that we have to, we must have that sort of self-reflection, that, that self-knowledge of ourselves as sinners. And sadly, there are so many examples of people in society who are, are judgmental moralizers. And it's usually the people who, who are the most critical of other people's morals, actually. There was an example of this um, just the other day, a man called Peter Wilby. He was, uh, I think, the editor uh, or, or a journalist, anyway, at the, at the Independent and uh, other newspapers. But he was very vocal in calling out the, the moral failures of other people. And he has just been convicted uh, in court of possessing over 100 images of, of child uh, sexual abuse. Um, a number of which, over 20, were of the very worst kind. So he made a career out of pointing the finger at other people and saying how terrible their morals were, but he himself was deeply immoral uh, in, in this way. That's often the way that the people who are most vocal about criticising other people are the people who are the worst uh, themselves. Um, so Paul, he says... Uh, you have no excuse because you, you condemn yourself. And he says that this is because, um, do, do you think you will escape God's judgment when you pass judgment? You, know, you are putting yourself in God's place. That is effectively what Paul uh, says here, that you forget that God is the judge of all. You know, you're not the judge, but God is. So we must look at things in the way that, that he does. Now, when we forget God, then we don't judge correctly uh, and that is the problem and he says or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness forbearance and patience not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance so Paul says that you know just because we don't see judgment happening in in the here and now people might think that and think oh well I'm in the clear because you know I live in quite a comfortable life but Paul says no 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 that that actually that is to lead you to repentance. God's kindness now is to lead us to repentance. That, you know, the fact that we, we are not uh, given what our sins deserve in the here and now, 
does not mean that there will not come a judgment, uh, but that we're supposed to use this time to repent uh, in these days. So in the next paragraph, Paul moves on to thinking about God's judgment, how God will judge fairly. And he says, he starts out by saying uh, in verse five, because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. So Paul says that the people who he's talking about, rather than being repentant, they are stubborn and unrepentant. You know, they have no self-awareness of their own sin. They have no sorrow over their own sin, no confession to God of their, of their flaws. But they, uh, they just judge other people. And those, that's the kind of person that Paul is, is talking about. And he says that um, you are storing up wrath. Uh, that, that word, storing up, it's actually the same word that Jesus uses in uh, Matthew chapter 6. Again, thinking about the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And that's the way that it was often used in, in those days, that word storing up treasure. But Paul says, if by your unrepentance you're storing up not treasure, but storing up wrath, storing up anger against yourself by your by your lack of repentance. And then he goes on to say, um, God will repay each person uh, according to what they have done. And he contrasts two different kinds of people. He says, firstly, there are those people who uh, persist in doing good and seek glory, honour and immortality, to, to seek to do the will of God, to obey him. So that's the first kind of, of people. And they, he says, will inherit eternal life. And just as a little aside here, but I was really struck by that word, by persistence in doing good. Persistence in doing good. Persistence is a word that we don't use very often um, today, I think. It's, it's fallen out of favour a little bit, but it's so important, you know, not to give up in doing good. We must, we must be persistent in doing good. You know, if you think that doing good is, you know, is getting a bit, bit, you know, you're weary of it, just be persistent. You know, keep seeking God, keep seeking to do his will. We need to be persistent, not just to do it once and then forget, but, you know, we need to carry on. So that's the first kind of people. The second kind are those who seek, um, do not seek God. He says they are self-seeking. They reject the truth and they follow evil. They, they seek to do evil. Not what God wants, but what they want. And this second kind of people, he said, will be there'll be trouble and distress, and uh, and they will be there'll be wrath, there will be anger. And Paul doesn't use the word uh, hell here, but that is Christian teaching that there will be punishment for those who reject God and who do not obey Him. And um, Paul says. Uh, there, uh, God does not, does not show favouritism. And of course, in the context of Romans, as we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, that this is particularly, he's dealing with the question of Jews and Gentiles, which is why he mentions it there. But what Paul is saying is that God treats everyone equally. God treats everyone the same. It's, it's the same set of rules, the same set of standards, the same judgment uh, for everybody. You know, God does not show favouritism. 
there's a, a, a television series from a few years ago called 2012. It's a comedy uh, series, a mockumentary, looking at the, um, you know, before the Olympics, the London 2012 Olympics. And um, it's, it's a very funny series, but one of the characters in that ha is, is from Yorkshire and, and he has this catchphrase, you know, he says, Don't care who you are. You know, and, and he's the kind of, kind of person who will call a spade a spade and he will say it as it is. And he doesn't care who you are. He doesn't care whether you're rich or poor or, or whoever you are, whatever your status is, he will just say it as it is. And I really like that about people and people who are like that. But God is, you know, the, the most like that, you know, if you like, that God is, he is, does not show favouritism. He, he will judge equally whether you are rich or poor, you know, whether you're high status or low status, whether, you know, whatever your educational level is, whatever country you're from, you know, it's the same judgment at the end of the day. God does not show favouritism. He doesn't prioritise people who think they're good and moral. He doesn't prioritise people who think they have the law. It, it's the same. We'll be judged by what we've done. Now, um, I'd just like to address a question that you might have at this point, which is a couple of weeks ago, we said how everything in the Christian life is by faith alone. So how can Paul say a couple of weeks ago, you know, everything is by faith alone, and that's what he will um, elaborate as we go through Romans and yet here say we'll be judged by what we've done. Isn't that a contradiction in terms? How can Paul say faith alone but will be judged by what we've done? And I think this is where we need to think uh, carefully about the relation of faith uh, and, and what we do. So let me read you a couple of Bible uh, passages just to help uh, explain. This is John chapter 3 verses 19 to 21. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. So here in John's Gospel, uh, we read that it's actually that, that relationship with God that's the most important thing. That it's the faith in God that makes a difference. And that when we have faith in God, then that makes a difference in our lives and people will be able to see that. But faith leads to action. You know, real faith leads to action. That's what we saw a couple of weeks ago. And we see that again. Paul, Paul says this uh, in the book of Galatians. So in Galatians chapter 5 verse 6, Paul says, in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. That is being you know, Jew or Gentile. He says, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Faith expressing itself through love. That's, I think, a lovely, you know, um, short summary of the Christian life. Uh, faith expressing itself through love. You know, five-word summary of the Christian life. Faith expressing itself through love. And that's what uh, Paul is saying here. That, you know, we can't keep God's demands by 
just simply trying in ourselves to obey the law, but we were never expected to. Actually, what matters is faith expressing itself through love. I've just been reading a book. Um, it's John Owen uh, and the, the Mortification of Sin. Now, John Owen was a, a Puritan. He, was, um, he lived you know, at the um, 17th century. So it's a you know, very old book, about 300 years old. Um, but this is a, a translation, not a translation, but it's um, got sort of modernised English. Someone has, has modernised it. And it's actually available for free. I think it's, um, I think it's the Monogism uh, website. That's the name of it, Monogism. Um, but I, I thought that the, just the, the introduction I was reading a few days ago, it had some helpful things to say about holiness. And let me just read you uh, one paragraph of that, because I think this is helpful and relevant uh, to this. Holiness comes by faith, and yet faith takes effort. It means being faithful and trustworthy in our relationship with God. Killing sin is a duty that we are committed to, rather than a hobby or a sport that we play at. All sin, no matter how little, breaks faith with God and violates his law. That is why we need to put all sin away, the little things as well as the big things. John Owen tells us sin is more a reflection of our heart than a behaviour. It is the inward desire, not the outward action that embodies sin. The sins we commit are just symptoms of an underlying deadly disease. Sin kills, and so we need to kill it before it kills us. It destroys relationships, it shames us and it ruins our full enjoyment of life. But with faith in Christ and by the power of his Spirit, we can overcome sin so that it no longer rules us. I thought that was really helpful, just thinking about how sin is, um, you know, it's that relationship with God. And actually that when, when we have faith in, in God, sin breaks the relationship. When, when we have faith in God, that kind of restores it. And that's what we need to, to be looking for, really. And that's how uh, I think Paul is saying that when we'll be judged, we'll be judged not kind of by you know, whether we've achieved a certain standard, but whether we have had faith in God, truly had faith in God, whether we've sought him and his help, uh, whether we've been in daily repentance for our sins, seeking his forgiveness, seeking the Holy Spirit to help, uh, to help express uh, love in us and, and through us. So in this final section then, coming back to Romans chapter 2, verses 12 to 16, we look at how then God is the judge of all. And that's, that's Paul's final point here. He says, all who sin apart from the law will perish apart from the law. Uh, and he says, it is not those who hear the law who are righteous, but those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. It's not those who, who just hear the law, but those who will be, uh, who, who, who obey it. That's what Paul is saying. And it's interesting, it just struck me actually how he, he, it's different. He says, um, those who hear the law are not righteous, but those who obey will be declared righteous. You see, there's a difference there. And what Paul is saying is it, it doesn't matter if you hear the Bible or you hear you know, the Ten Commandments, you know, what, what God requires of us. If you don't do it, you know, it's obeying God that is the important thing. But like I was saying just a moment ago, it's through faith that we obey. It's not by our own efforts. And, you know, that this kind of judgmental moralism comes because people put 
all their faith in their own efforts and they think that they are perfect in and of themselves. You know, that they've got, they are righteous in, in, by their own efforts. But that is not uh, the gospel message. And this is what Paul is saying. He's saying that those people who have faith in God, who obey through faith, are the ones who will be declared righteous in God's sight. And he, 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 he goes on, he sort of anticipates an objection and he thinks, well, people might say, but how can Gentiles be judged fairly if they don't have the law? How can those who don't know what God requires of us uh, be judged fairly? And he says, uh, Gentiles, that uh, they're a law for themselves. They show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts and their consciences bear witness. So what Paul is saying is that even those people who don't read the Bible, who don't know the scriptures, who don't know what God requires of us kind of in the letter of the law, nonetheless, they have the requirements of the law written on their hearts. That's because we are all made in the image of God. We all really know what God requires of us. And so when we sin, we do it knowingly and willingly. That's what, uh, what, that's what the implication of what Paul is, is saying. And I think this is why people are judgmental, actually. Now, perversely, it's because people know there is a right and a wrong, but they also, I think, are trying to deflect from themselves being in the wrong. You know, they know that um, there is a right and a wrong and that there is a righteous judge, but they think that they will satisfy, that they'll assuage their conscience by pointing the finger at other people and how, oh, well, at least I'm not as bad as him. You know, at least I'm not as bad as her or, or as them. And they'll point the finger at other people and try to deflect from themselves. And Paul says, no, that doesn't work. So I think, you know, when people do that, it shows actually that they do have an understanding that there is a right and a wrong, but they're, they're dealing with it in the wrong way. And Paul finishes by saying, God will judge people's secrets through Jesus Christ as my gospel declares. So Paul says, one day every secret of our hearts will be laid bare. You know that, yes, you know, we... we all of the times when, you know, we've neglected God, when we've turned away from him, when we haven't done what God wants us to, um, you know, the, the people who suppressed the truth, the people who've been judgmental, the people who pointed the finger at others, that will be laid bare and God will bring judgment. So what should we conclude then as we come to an end of this passage? Let me just uh, uh, mention a couple of of things which I hope we can put into practice in this coming week. I think it is really important as Christians to avoid that sort of uh, judgmental moralism. It's so easy to fall into that trap, but we must avoid that kind of attitude toward others. And we do that, firstly, by remembering that we are in the same boat that God is our judge and theirs as well. Uh, let me read you uh, what Solzhenitsyn said. Um, uh, I know that this is the second week running that I'm quoting from uh, Solzhenitsyn, but he had a lot of good things to say. This is what he said. If only it were all so simple. 
If only there were evil people somewhere insidiously committing evil deeds, and it were necessary only to separate them from the rest of us and destroy them. But the line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being, and who is willing to destroy a piece of his own heart? I think that when we remember that it's not us, the good guys on this side, and them, the bad guys on the other. Now, that's, that's the gospel message, isn't it? That we are all equally guilty uh, before God. And that that's, that's the only way in which we can um, judge others, is actually to remember that God is our judge first and foremost. Uh, secondly, we must remember uh, judgment must come from humility, not from thinking that we are holier than thou. We must, uh, you know the, that expression, you know, before you judge someone, walk a mile in their shoes. Um, and then, you know, when they come back, then you're a mile away and you've got their shoes. In, in the old joke. But, uh, but I think that there is, there is something in that, that, you know, we have to actually be sympathetic to other people uh, as well. Uh, and we have to have humility in recognising that, um, you know, God is our judge and that, you know, that we are people who should be most of all humbled by our own sin first and foremost before we get around to thinking about the flaws of others. That we should be humbled by our own sin first and foremost. Above all, we should remember that we must stand before God and we should seek him and persist in doing good always. That's the message of uh, Romans chapter 2 that we should seek him, persist in doing good, seek to be righteous by faith and to, you know, faith expressing itself through love, as, as Paul puts it. There's a lovely psalm, uh, Psalm 37, and I'd just like to finish by reading um, these verses from Psalm 37. It's quite a long psalm, so I'll just read the first nine verses. Do not fret because of those who are evil or be anxious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret, it leads only to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. Turn from evil and do good. And I think that's a good message to finish with as we think about uh, Romans chapter 2. Let's pray as we close. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that you are a God who knows the secrets of our hearts and yet by faith we can be righteous, uh, um, declared righteous before you and that uh, by faith you can make a real difference in our lives and we pray that you would help us to be people who express our faith through love and we pray that you would help us to be people who are not uh, judgmental moralists but who seek um, repentance, to, to see repentance in others who don't fret about evil, but commit ourselves to doing good and seek the good of others. And uh, we pray that you would give us your heart for sinners and that uh, your gospel light would shine in us and through us uh, and in, in our towns, in our cities, wherever we live.
We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.